Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Strike Opposed Photo Booths podcast. This is Jim coming to you from the secret location under the train station. This week's episode, we are going to be wrapping up our three-part series with part three of our four types of events. And today we're going to be talking about indoor events, and that means the indoor canopy and the indoor open booth and the things that we need to do to deal with both of those situations. Now, before we get into that, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who sent in emails to podcast at sappb.com asking for free templates. I'm glad that you uh, responded and hope you find them very useful. I also want to thank everyone who sent in with some show ideas and some thoughts and questions. Uh, We'd love to engage with you and we hope that continues. So do please keep sending those emails uh, to podcast at sappb.com. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you want to hear about. Uh, Share a success story. You know, anything. We're happy to hear it. In our last episode, we talked about doing a canopy and an open booth setup in an outdoor situation. And if you listened, you'll know that there's quite a bit that you have to sort of take on and understand because there's a lot of things that play a lot of variables, mostly having to do with light. And then next behind that is the weather, Um, things that you need to be on top of. Now, that's why we saved the indoor setups for the last one, because now that we've gone over the hump with all the really... Uh, the more difficult stuff. Now we're going to just talk about some stuff that's pretty simple in terms of dealing with the variables. So we're going to start with the canopy setup indoors. Now, as mentioned in uh, part one of this, the indoor canopy is the easiest thing to start with. When you get your booth, the camera settings are already set up for canopy. So we have an AV setting of 5.6, a TV setting of 1 over 125, and an ISO setting of 3200. This is all ready to go to set up your canopy. So you set up your canopy, put up your lights, flip on the booth, and you're ready to go. There's really not a lot you need to deal with indoors and the canopy. On occasion, if you're indoors and you're near like a large window and you have some daylight pouring in and it's coming in on the same side as the white curtains, That would be the same approach as if you were outdoors uh, with the canopy, which essentially means you need to understand the TV setting and uh, even possibly the ISO, depending on how bright it is. But in general terms, when you are indoors using the canopy, there's, again, just not a lot that's going to interfere. Ambient light is not an issue because the canopy is clearly blocking that out. You have your continuous light inside, which gives you a a continued source of light that's unchanging. And that usually overpowers pretty much anything else that could come through those uh, canopy curtains. Now, it's not just the setup and the lack of having to deal with variable lighting that makes the indoor canopy one of the easiest to use. It also removes a lot of variables that uh, we have outside. And that's mostly the weather, wind, things like that. So when you're doing an indoor event, What you can do is really take advantage of the simplicity of the situation. Now, the only real complication that we run into is do we have enough space? And by that, obviously, we have to have space to set up the booth. And for that, really, a minimum that we want is we want to have uh, a 10 by 5 space. Booth is 5 feet wide. Well, it's 5 by 5. And so we want 5 feet for the width of the canopy. And then we would like to have about 10 feet. So, A, you can set up the booth and then also have room 
or some tables, your prop tables. And if you have a, uh, an external monitor for a slideshow, plus you want to have a place to sit and kind of keep your watch over everything. So, you know, 10 by 5 roughly is enough to get at least the bare minimum. Now, if you have more space, you can really maximize everything by making it more of a show. So while you're indoors, utilize any extra space you have. Use stanchions to do a red roped entrance to the booth. Uh, set up an additional table, not just for props, but have some promotional materials, uh, other things that you might want to uh, have out to advertise yourself, uh, coupons, things like that. It's really a, a perfect opportunity because, again, you don't have to worry about rain, you don't have to worry about wind, temperature, anything like that. You can just set these things up and utilize whatever space the venue gives you. Now, that's, of course, taken into consideration. You may not always have these uh, opportunities, uh, this kind of space. Sometimes it's very tight and, you know, you, you work with what you have. But always keep an eye to what is available. Always be prepared. Keep these things with you, these extra tables, uh, maybe even extra props, uh, again, promotional materials, things that you can do to separate so you can have a nice organized prop table. Then you can have a smaller table with your promotional goods, uh, maybe even a monitor sitting on it. Pretty much, you know, anything you can think of. And that's really it for the canopy indoors. Like I said, there's just not a lot to deal with. You won't have to really deal with light 99% uh, of the time. One thing that you might have to deal with similar to outdoors is maybe the venue does not have air conditioning or it's inadequate. Maybe it broke. It's just one of those things that if you can have a small fan with you to cover that very random occurrence uh, ever coming up, it just makes you look more professional and, again, makes things easier for everybody involved, especially the guests. Now, when we transition to doing an open booth indoors, this is where we introduce some variables. Uh, granted, a lot smaller and much easier to manage than an outdoor open booth. But the first thing that we have is with an open booth, obviously, we don't have a canopy uh, blocking our ambient lighting. We are kind of going to fall victim to whatever lighting the venue has, good or bad. It could be all red lights, could be fluorescent lights, they could be flashing lights, they could be no lights, who knows. So when doing an open booth indoors, you want to have your setup, and again, that's your backdrop and your three lights, and the setup is going to be the same pretty much universally, uh, same as outdoor, backdrop 10 feet from the camera, uh, the two lights with the white umbrellas, outer curved part facing the backdrop, those are about nine feet from the camera, so about a foot in, from the backdrop uh, to either side. Your third umbrella, the black one with the silver reflector, will start out next to the booth, silver reflector facing the subjects, and you're gonna scoot that in until you can see the light lighting them up, and that's where it's gonna stay for the rest of the night. Now, the lighting setup is pretty simple. It's like I said, universal, indoors, outdoors. Uh, whether or not you're using a green screen, this is typically how you would set it up. But one thing that you do have to be aware of is with an open booth, you are again, victim to ambient lighting. So one of the things that we need to add to our TV and ISO settings in adjusting those is understanding white balance. So let's back up a little bit and let's talk about TV and ISO settings first. So our shutter and light sensitivity settings. When you're doing an open booth indoor, I recommend at first setting the ISO to auto and seeing how it handles it. You're going to want to take two or three test pictures uh, with the ISO on auto and with the settings as they normally are. So the TV, leave it at 1 over 125, and take a couple of shots and see how it goes. 
one of the big problems with doing auto in uh, an ISO setting, uh, especially indoors, is the pictures may not be consistent from shot to shot. So if you do three test shots and you notice, well, nobody moved, I just did three sessions in a row, and I'm not getting consistent lighting in my pictures, well, then that means we do have to do a hard setting for our ISO. So 3200 means it's extremely sensitive to light. If the pictures are bright, you're going to want to go down to like 1600 and uh, do another couple test shots. You might have to work with the TV setting or the shutter uh, speed setting to get that bracketed in just right. If you're taking those pictures and they're a little dark, a couple things you can do. Number one, move the third light in closer to the folks. Um, you know, roughly about three feet from them is generally where it ends up. It's at a 45 degree angle off to the side. And this is why we say give yourself about 10 to 15 minutes extra setup time when doing an open booth because you really are going to be uh, moving the lights around and kind of fidgeting with the position and the camera settings to get everything to come out just the way you want it to look. Now, when we bring in the white balance into the mixture, this is to make sure that the colors in the picture are the way they're supposed to be. And white balance can really make a huge improvement, especially, again, and I always use the example of like red or orange lighting uh, as an ambient light uh, for mood lighting, whatever the venue has. That is something that bleeds into the picture more than any other spectrum. And what that does is gives orange skin, makes everything white look reddish or orange, you know, things like that. So to combat this, what we want to do is use the camera's white balance, which is a color processor, to filter out these colors. With the canopy, what we have is we have a white balance setting to cloudy because cloudy offsets the blue light from the fluorescent uh, bulbs in the canopy setup. Uh, they're on a blue spectrum. And it can make people look pale, pallid, things like that. So by setting it to cloudy, removes that, puts a little rose in their cheeks, if you will, and everything looks good. So when doing an open booth, one thing I would not do is set the white balance to auto because what will happen is it will get a light reading, not just from the ambient light, but whatever's bouncing off the subjects. So if you have somebody in a purple outfit, it's going to get one reading, and then the people behind them come in and they're wearing a white outfit. It's going to get a different reading, and you're going to see a big difference in the tonal quality of those pictures uh, between the two. And that is where the white balance comes in to correct that so that everything is consistent. And what it does is it takes the ambient light and applies the same filter, so it's not really taking what's coming off of the subject, bouncing into the uh, sensor, as an auto setting would do. It is actually bringing in the general information and applying the same filter to it consistently and repeatedly. So you get the same tonal quality. Now, right about now is when I would say, okay, set it to this. But the problem with white balance is there's really no universal setting that's going to handle every light situation. Even though you're under uh, fluorescent lights or even tungsten lights, there are so many other elements that can make one situation different from the next. So even though it's a tungsten setup, putting the white balance to a tungsten setting may not work. So this is where, again, you need that time frame to adjust your camera settings and start working with white balance. Uh, don't start with auto. Uh, you're on cloudy. Go ahead and switch it to day. Go ahead and switch it to incandescent light. Then go ahead and switch it to fluorescent. Just basically go down the list of the settings in the dropdown and see which one 
gives you the right tonal quality for the color that you're looking for. Once you have the white balance and your other camera settings and lighting worked out, then you're good to go the rest of the night. You don't have to worry about varied lighting again, unless you're like right next to a gigantic window and the sunlight's pouring in, then it's going to be treated the same as dealing with an outdoor open booth where every 20 to 30 minutes, you're going to want to make sure the light's okay, hasn't changed too much, so on like that. Now, again, being indoors, it's it's a great opportunity for you to really play it up. Uh, again, you can use stanchions to uh, bring people in, a uh, nice red rope walkway, to even a red carpet to bring them into the standing area where they're going to be for the picture. And one thing you're going to want to probably start doing is uh, taking on the role of trigger person. So with an open booth, I mean, what we run into is they're, you know, seven, eight feet from the screen. And for them to walk up and hit the uh, start button and then come back and get ready for the picture in three to four seconds, you know, it's not a big deal. So what a lot of owners do when they do open booths is they they will stand there for the individuals. And as they get situated, say, okay, are you ready? And then they say yes, they go ahead and just tap the screen. Not a big deal. But it's it's one of those situations where a little bit of convenience uh, really goes a long way. So you're just making it easier for the guests and uh, being able to stay on it. You have people coming back and forth from the booth to the standing spot, you know, all that. So becoming the trigger person, as I call it, is probably something you're going to want to think about doing. Now, if you're not interested in doing that, then the one thing I would absolutely do is change your countdown timers. Now, sure, this is going to uh, elongate the photo session by a few seconds. But one thing you're going to want to do is probably set the timers to at least five seconds. Give them time to hit the button, get back to where they want to be, get into position before things start happening. And that's just, you know, pretty much common courtesy. And the last thing I want to mention for an open booth indoors, and actually it's indoor or open booth, is power. That's really about the only other consideration that you share with an outdoor event is power. And this is why I say carry that uh, extra 50-foot extension cord for power with you at all times because even though you're inside and you know the venue, they may move you, they may have lied about the outlet, the outlet may not work, and you might be a bit further away than the standard booth cord. So keeping that with you uh, will, indoors or outdoors, help you with your power situation should that come up. So you can see why the indoor events are easier to do than the outdoor events. And again, when you're just starting out, this is the way to go because you have so little that you have to deal with and uh, even in uh, an open booth indoors really just lets you focus on running the booth, uh, dealing with as few variables as possible and kind of, you know, figuring out your routine and how you want to approach things. So indoors, that's the way to go. And that's why the booth comes, you know, set for the canopy. It's ready to go at the, the easiest level so that you can worry more about understanding and operating the booth, finding your feet, and then you can kind of branch out into an open booth and start introducing the variables and dealing with those. And in all cases, indoors or outdoors, it all comes down to practice. Allowing yourself the time to practice, understand the booth uh, as these things are introduced, master those as well. And I can't say it enough, practice, 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 as often as you can, as much as you can. Now that's going to 
wrap up our three-part series on the different levels of events. As I said, these are fairly easy, so uh, not a lot to go on about those. Before I go this week, though, I am going to talk about a darkroom feature that I want to wake everybody up to. A lot of people don't know that this exists. And that feature is adding QR codes, those square-shaped barcodes, to your print templates or even the booth screen. In Darkroom, you have the ability to add this to a template. And what this does is you can put in your web address, a couple other things we'll talk about, and when people scan this with their phone, it will take them to that destination. So you may have seen these at stores, on product boxes, uh, pretty much all over the place where you scan it and you get a coupon, something like that. So what you do is in Darkroom, you're in your template editor, and what you're going to do is you're going to go up to the top and you're going to click Add. And then from that dropdown, you're going to choose Barcode. And that'll give you a little window. And it should be set to QR code. If it's not, there's a Barcode Type dropdown. Go ahead and click on that and choose QR code. And then what you're going to do is you're going to type in what is this supposed to do? So typically it's a web address, www.whatyourwebsite.com. You can go ahead and just put in the address to your photo booth site and leave it at that. And you can put this on the booth screen. People see it. They will you know, scan it and uh, on their phone. And it will kick open the browser and take them to your page. So that's a good way to advertise. But another thing that you can do is create like a coupon page. What a lot of people do is they'll create a hidden page on their website for like a 25% off coupon, 10% off coupon, something crazy like that. And uh, put that address in. So it would be like www.yoursite.com forward slash coupon page. Now on the website, there's no links to this page. So nobody knows about it. That's why it's hidden. Yet when they use the barcode scanner, uh, the QR scanner, then it will bring that up on their phone or in their browser and they'll see a coupon. So that's kind of a, you know, a way to reward people who are there. Now they're not very attractive. They're pretty unsightly. It's, you know, a white square with the black uh, barcode material inside. And that really stands out against your templates. Uh, some people do put these on their print templates. A lot of people, like I said, put them on the booth screen when they use them so that when they're in the booth and they're wrapping up, they can go ahead and scan it. Obvious advantage to putting them on your print templates is they have it in their hand and they can scan it any time if they don't do it while they're at the booth. But again, not the most attractive, but you can figure out how to make it work. Uh, you can make them pretty small, but uh, you know that's going to be up to you. So I encourage you to uh, check this out in Darkroom. Just uh, open up a template in the editor and, like I said, go ahead and click Add and then choose Barcode. Uh, even, you don't have to just you know, type in A, B, C, D, whatever you want, just so you can see how it looks and how you can resize it. Okay, then. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Always glad to have you back. Again, podcast at sappb.com for any questions, any thoughts, uh, any su suggestions, that you have. We, we are here. We want to see it. I also want to take just a quick second to welcome all of our uh, rush of newcomers. Uh, glad to have you and hope that you keep continuing to come back and listen to us. Uh, we want to hear from you as well. So again, that's going to wrap it up. This is Jim, the tech manager for Strike Pose Photo Booth podcast. Uh, I'm going to let you go till next week. And until that time, good luck and happy boothing. <laughs>